the, the question I want to ask you as we get started is, uh, or really I want to ponder is this. I think one of the deepest needs of the human soul is we need to be loved. We need to feel like we're loved and accepted by someone. Someone that matters. Um, and, you know, in our passage, we're going to see a father who really loves his son. I mean, he loves his son so much that he, he, he makes, he spends some money and he does something very special for this one son. And he shows his love in a really ex- expensive and public way. Nothing wrong with that. But what the father sought to do was good, but how he did it was foolish and hurtful. And in our passage, we're going to see the favoritism of a father. We're going to see the arrogance of a son. We're going to see bitterness of his brothers. And we're, and we're going to see that God's going to use all three of those things, those bad things, not good things, and he's going to carry his perfect will out in spite of that. So jump in with me, Genesis chapter 37. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the chair Bible on page 31, you can pick that up. And I want to start reading Genesis 37, verse 1. Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, again, he's not a young, you know, 12-year-old, he's 17, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his wives, his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpha. Uh, But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age and also, it doesn't say it here, but to his favorite wife. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Now, my point is, God can take bad people in circumstances and turn them around for our ultimate good. And somebody contacted me last night and said, it's not God can, it says God will, God does. And I don't disagree with that. But look at this, look at the favoritism of Jacob. He was, uh, remember, Jacob was the one that was overlooked by his father. He wanted the love and appreciation of his father, Isaac. And he couldn't get it. Esau got it, his older brother. So here he is. He was overlooked by his father, and now he's overlooking all of his sons. And not only that, he's making a special symbol of his love for Joseph, a coat of many colors, some translations may call it. The point is, it's a bullseye. It's basically saying to the brothers, if you want to know who I love the most, just look at the coat. The coat tells you who I love the most. So every time he wore that coat, he was pointing out the favoritism of his father. Now let's just look too, and and for some of you, and for me, you know, when I first started out, I looked at Joseph and said, there's probably nobody as good as Joseph in in the Old, there's very few people in the Old Testament you can find that are really good, decent people, and Joseph's one of them. Yeah, well, look at the bad report of Joseph. Some people think that when he brought this bad report, what he was doing was he was he was just reporting, you know, the brothers are lazy, the brothers are bad, the brothers aren't doing what they should be doing, they're, they're derelict in their duty, you know, and he was bringing this bad report. 
And that's the way kind of I looked at it. Now, I thought Joseph was a little naive, but let's remember, this is a 17-year-old kid. He's not an idiot. He's pretty, you know, he's intelligent. And it says that his brothers couldn't say a kind word to him. So it was a bad work environment. And, and you know, I get that. But, but, but when you look at the language where the Old Testament uses this phraseology about he brought a bad report, what it means is, many times it means that his reports were skewed, they were made up, or they were slanderous. In other words, Joseph wasn't exactly representing his brothers correctly. In fact, he probably wasn't. He was probably reporting it a lot worse than it was. He was making things up. He was painting a a dire picture of his brothers. And you say, how could Joseph do that? Well, you do it. If you're honest, you do it. And his father, because he was his favorite son, couldn't question Joseph's report, just took it and believed it. The point is, it's very likely that Joseph was making his brothers look bad to his father. Now let's jump in a little further. Genesis 35, verse 5. One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We're out in a field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. His brothers responded, Joseph, what did you have for dinner last night? You, No, he didn't say that. <laughs> so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So Joseph is having these dreams. God is giving him these dreams and he's bragging about them. So at the very least, this shows this, this kid isn't very... I mean, you can say things and get punched and you go, yeah, you got punched because you just didn't keep your mouth shut. You know, you kind of should have kept your mouth shut about this. This isn't something you should broadcast. And who knows how he did it. The point I want you to see is it got so bad that he finally says, even dad, you're going to bow down to me. And his dad finally says, knock it off. Knock it off. Now, were his reports true? Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes the, the, what you are going to say is true, but you really shouldn't say it out loud to the other person because they're not ready to receive it. And maybe you don't even understand what's going on there. Uh, but Joseph, here's the point. Joseph is becoming a bad person. He's becoming spoiled. He seems like he's dishonest. And he's certainly proud. There's some things going on in his life that aren't really that good. Let's jump back into the text. Verse 18. His father sends him out to check on his brothers. Go and see how your brothers are doing and, uh, and the flocks are getting along Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. Anyone want to venture a guess on what kind of report he's going to get if he ever did get back and report? So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled with Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the, in the distance. Anyone want to venture and why they've, <laughs> they recognized him in the venture? I don't know. Maybe because of the coat of many colors, <laughs> right? As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns of ditches. 
It was a dried out ditch where water would, water would gather from time to time. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off his beautiful robe that he was wearing. They grabbed him and they threw him in the cistern. Look at the sins of Joseph's brothers. Joseph is sent out by his father to check on his brothers. As he's approaching, they immediately recognize him. And notice they stripped him of his coat. They throw him into a dark pit. Ultimately, they would sell him as a slave to a caravan of uh, uh, Ishmaelites that are headed to Egypt. That's what ends up happening. So we see the sins of the father, Jacob. We see the sins of Joseph, the son. And we see the sins of the brothers. And they're, act, they're all acting badly. Here's the thing I want you to see. That God works out his perfect will in spite of the bad and evil deeds done against us. God's love is compatible with bad things happening to those he loves. Now, I'm hearing, and many times it's on TV, and I should probably, my wife tells me I should turn it off. And I don't know why I don't, but I don't. I yell at the TV more than that. But I'm hearing this message where uh, pastors and teachers on TV are saying, God doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to, to be poor. He doesn't want you to have any health issues. And I just want to say, yeah, I don't think that's taught in Scripture. In fact, as I read people and I read the stories of Scripture, I see godly people like Job, like Jesus, and, you know, other people who go through difficult times. And, you know, even Joseph... Uh, uh, yeah, he's got issues. He's got some problems he's got to work on here. But here's the thing. In spite of the evil of a father overloving one child and not loving his other sons, in spite of a, a, a young man becoming spoiled and possibly becoming corrupt, uh, in spite of brothers who are evil uh, and plotting the, the death of their brother, uh, in spite of all that, God is going to use all three of those evil, evil people. In a sense, there's an evil, and then there's an evil within us. Or we, you know, we're all sinners, right? Um, and He's going to take those and He's going to turn them around. He's going to be able to carry out His perfect will in spite of that. And you say, well, that's what God did then. No, no, that's what God does now. Because sometimes you think, well, doesn't, God doesn't know what you know what they're saying about me at work. God doesn't know what they're doing. God doesn't know, and God does know. And God can take the worst possible things that anyone can do to you and, and the worst possible circumstances, and he can turn them around for his ultimate glory and your ultimate good. In other words, what the Bible teaches is that, that God's love for you is compatible with you going through difficult times and trials and tribulations. That's why James says, consider all joy, my brothers, when you go through various trials and tribulations. Why? Because it will help you build your faith. That's just one example of what it can do. The point is that there are times where you'll go through difficult situations uh, when bad things will happen and we sometimes feel as though God is punishing us or he's abandoned us or he, he doesn't care for us and he's forgotten us. And frankly, the pastors and the teachers that get on the air and they say, well, you haven't been healed because you just don't have faith. You can't blame God. It's your fault. Or, you know, um, you're not wealthy because you're not sending me enough money. And if you sent me more money, then you would get wealthy. And, and I, I'm sorry. I don't see that in Scripture. What I see is that sometimes you go through trials and tribulations. And Jesus says, in this world you'll have tribulation. And we live in a fallen world. And Jesus says that in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. I'll be there with you. 
doesn't say, I'll, I'll rescue you from the valley. He says, I'll be there with you in the valley. The point I want you to see is, when life puts you in the pit, we often feel abandoned by God. But here's the point. The good news is that God turns the dark pits into his perfect plan. Now, that may not be encouraging because some of you would say, you know what, I don't want to go through the dark pit. I just want to have the, the rainbow sunshine days. I don't want to go, I don't want to have the dark pit days. And I understand that. But how does God turn bad, evil deeds around for our good? How does he do that? Well, in the Joseph story, it's very interesting. In the Joseph story, you know what, as you read through the whole Joseph from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50, we have Joseph speaking about God. In other words, he's talking to the king saying, well, there is one who, can, you know, God can't answer this. God, there is a God in heaven who can give the re- interpretation. But it, you never have a dialogue. You'll never find a dialogue between God talking to Joseph. He's not talking to him when he's in the pit. He's not talking to him when he's in the prison. He's not saying, Joseph, hey, you know, part of my plan, sorry, need to let you bring you up to speed. You're doing a great job. None of that. There's none of that. He seems, God seems silent for all practical purposes. But Joseph does acknowledge God through the whole process. But yet, it's not till the end of the book, Genesis 50, verse 20, where Joseph, you finally realize that Joseph's got a handle on what God has been doing behind the scenes. He finally gets that. The point for us to see, though, is there's a number of coincidences. There's some good and some bad. Some things have to take place. And what do I mean by that? Well, we know that uh, as you read the end of the story, Joseph is the second, in, you know, second most power, probably the second most powerful person in Egypt. We know there's a famine. We know that Joseph has uh, has a. Uh, the freedom to divvy out this, uh, this grain, this uh, food to anyone he wants. Uh, but that didn't come. That only came because his brothers didn't kill him because they were going to kill him. And, and they sold him as a slave instead. And that, that the caravan just happened to be coming by, so they didn't kill him. And that caravan happened to be going to Egypt. And he happened to be able to, uh, God happened to equip him so that he could, you know, move up in, in the leadership of Egypt. And so, so all these, co- and the point the writers wants you to see is this wasn't a coincidence. This was God working behind the scenes. God was working behind the scenes. Even Joseph at the end in verse 50, he says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, all you did for me, but God meant it for good. In other words, God meant uh, God took the evil and he turned it around for good. He, and, and, and he says God was always working behind the scenes. And through the, through the favoritism of Jacob to provide the anger of the brothers, through the brothers wanting to kill him but not killing him because a caravan comes by, uh, through the caravan uh, taking him to Egypt, uh, jo- through Joseph and all the struggles that, it, that come by as we read through the story where he's able to rise to a place of power and save his family. He doesn't just save his family. He saves the nation of Israel, the future nation of Israel. He doesn't just save the future nation of Israel. He saves the future of the Messiah. He doesn't save the future of the Messiah. He saves the future of the one who would come of the line of Judah, who would become the Savior of the world. And so all of that came by through the evil intentions of men. See, God must not only save his people. And here's here's the important thing to see. See, God is going to use Joseph to become a savior, not only for his family and for the nation of Israel, but for the world. Because from 
you know, Joseph is preserving his family. He's going to preserve Judah and preserve the, the line. Through all of that, jo, jo, God is going to not just per, use Joseph to save the world, but he's going to, he's got to, he's got to save Joseph from himself because Joseph is not in a good place right now. Joseph is not a good person. And so, so this trial, this tribulation, what Joseph is going to go through is going to change his character. It's going to change him into a different person. It's going to bring him to a place where he can ultimately forgive his brothers down the road. Because if he doesn't forgive his brothers down the road, we have the same scenario. And Joseph is not in a good place for that right now as we read this story. But here's the point. If God is not able to save, is not able to save Joseph and save Joseph from himself, the messianic line is gone and the hope for the world is over. Joseph, as I said, is not a good person and God must do a work in him before he can save his family. Only because bad things happen to Joseph will he be able to save his family, the nation, and the hope of the world. Now, only as he's abandoned will he be able to become the Savior. If he is not abandoned, and that doesn't take place, you know, it's like the whole back to the future type thing kind of going on here. But here's the point. God can save us through the bad times, but sometimes he needs to save us from ourselves, and he uses those bad times. To... What do I mean by that? How does God do that? Um, do you see that God is able to use bad people and circumstances to change you, to make you into the person he wants you to become? How, what do I mean by that? Let's, let's, let's just say that, that God wants you to, to, maybe you have a hard heart and God wants you to have a heart uh, for those who are suffering around you. You don't. You are heartless to those who are suffering around you. What do you think he might do? Well, he may bring you to a place where he'll allow you to suffer. And you'll, you'll get to a place, like, for instance, a real dumb one. Let's just say that you know, somebody comes up to you and says, oh, my back is killing me and I've been had back problems my whole life. And you go, yeah, I'm sorry about that. And then all of a sudden you're you're on your back, literally on your back for a month, and you are in more pain than you've ever experienced in your life. The next time somebody comes up to you and talks to you about back pain, you go, tell me about it. I've been there. I know what you're going through. And maybe he wants you to become more patient. One of the, one of the, you, you know, one of the prayers you, you be, need to be careful about is you pray for God, God, give me more patience. Be ready when you pray that prayer. Because if you pray that prayer in the morning, you are going to be behind the slowest driver in Dubuque. <laughs> every time. You'll hit every light, and you'll have to get to some appointment that's very important. All right? And, 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 and you'll get in line, and there'll be ten people in this line, and one person in this line, and they have coupons. And it's an older lady who can't find her change purse. And you feel like going, here, I'll pay! Just move it along! Right? You can tell what God's working on in my life, right? <laughs> what if God wants you to become more compassionate? So He puts you in a dark place where you need help from others and you just don't have any hope and somebody comes and reaches in and, and loves you and helps you and you begin to have compassion because somebody had compassion for you. See, see, um, maybe... God wants you to be more uh, dependent upon Him, and you're leaning too much on the crutches around you. And, and He's going to start crumbling those crutches so that you say, God, what am I doing? I'm leaning on these things that are letting me down. My marriage, my kids, my, all these, my job, and all these things, and they're starting to crumble. And God says, yeah, okay, so will you look to me? 
See, the point I want you to see is that Joseph needed to be saved from himself, and we do too. We do too if we're honest about it. See, God is working out His process of saving us from ourselves. And sometimes it requires suffering, criticism, pain, and some dark pits. But it never means that He abandons us. That's the important thing to understand because you you hear this thing, well, you should never go through suffering. You should never go through pain. But what happens if you go through suffering and pain? What happens if you get bad news from the doctor? What do you do with that? You, if you only have this one world, one view of Christianity that says God doesn't want you that way and if you're that way, you've done something to tick Him off or you've done something wrong or you just need to pray the right prayer or have the right person heal you, I'm sorry. I've known a lot of really good godly people that are suffering and they've done nothing wrong. It's part of God's plan to use that suffering to do a work in their life. See, God was with Joseph in the pit on the way to Egypt, in the jails of Egypt, and when he was a power broker in Egypt. And Joseph figured that out. God was, and God is with us in the good times and the bad times, and He can turn the bad times around for our ultimate good. Two last things I want to talk about. Joseph was forced to become the Savior of his family. He didn't really have a choice. His brothers kind of threw him into it. Joseph became a savior through weakness and suffering and rejection. Joseph could only save his family by being rejected by his family. He could not become the savior of his family until he was lost to them. Joseph was stripped of his robe, thrown into a dark pit and abandoned. And it says that Joseph cried out. He pleaded with his brothers. Some of you are saying, no, wait, I read this story. He doesn't say that. But if you jump further into the Joseph story, if you jump to Genesis chapter 42, the brothers are meeting with Joseph and they think that God is getting back at them. And this is what they say. Speaking among themselves, they said, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in trouble. In other words, they're saying he pleaded with us. He cried out to us. He asked for, and we didn't give him the time of day. Joseph was forced to become the savior of his family. He was sold as a slave to a band of Ishmaelites headed to Egypt. He didn't have a choice. But Jesus chose to become a Savior for us. Jesus became a Savior through weakness, through suffering, through rejection, and through death on a criminal's cross. Jesus saved us by being rejected and abandoned by His Father. He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was stripped of His clothes. Yeah, but He was stripped of His clothes, and what did they do? They gave Him a coat. But they gave him a coat of mockery, a robe of mockery. They made fun of him. Oh, you're the king. Well, here's your robe. It was nailed to a cross and abandoned by all. There was no one around. Jesus cried out for help, just like Joseph. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His sense of abandonment was infinitely greater than Joseph. Jesus chose to become the Savior of the world to all who believe. He willingly became a slave so that we could be set free from sin and death. 
I want to close with one last thought. I began by talking about a father's love for his son. He said, he, he, you know, the, he, 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 the right thing, he wanted to show his son he loved him. And dad, you ought to make sure that your sons and daughters know they, that you love them and you care about them. And he wanted to do it, uh, make a real investment and do it publicly. Nothing wrong with that. Don't do it in spite of the others, though. And so what did he do? Jacob gave Joseph a coat as a way of expression of his love. The problem was there was only one coat. Right? There was only one coat. Jesus lost his father's coat. He set it aside when he came to earth. He did it so we could get the coat. He set his coat aside so we could get the coat. Jesus lost the father's love by taking on our sin. He lost the coat by taking on our sin. He lost the coat so we could wear the coat. And here's the good news. The good news is that when we call upon the Lord, when we call upon Jesus, there's plenty of coats to go around. And it's made to your size for you. That when you step into His kingdom by faith, you get a coat. God says, I love you. We are in Christ. We have a new relationship. The good news is there's plenty of coats to go around. When you call out to Jesus, you get the coat. Three points of application as we close. God is working in spite of bad people and circumstances in your life. He is working behind the scenes for His glory and your ultimate good. Whether you know He's there or not, He is. And He has a plan. And it doesn't matter who the bad people are, what the bad circumstances are, God is working behind the scenes for His glory and your good. Secondly, God must save us sometimes from ourselves. And oftentimes, that means we will go through various trials and tribulations. And we may feel that He has abandoned us. But He is there. He is working, even though He is silent. When we are in the pit, He is in the pit. Number three, there is a coat waiting for all who call out to Jesus as Savior. God wants to cloak you with His love, and His coat is tailor-made for you. It's good news. Stand with me. Let's pray. So, Father, thank You for this encouraging passage that uh, though we go through trials and tribulations... You have a plan. And sometimes you need to save us from ourselves. And you need to change us and uh, grow us. And sometimes that hurts. <laughs> John, Jesus talked about that in John's Gospel is pruning. And that's a difficult phase to go through. But thank you, Father, that when we call upon Jesus, we get the code of your love. And it's a perfect fit. May we walk in your love. And more importantly, may we share the love that we've received to those who have never heard the gospel for the first time. May they hear Jesus. May they hear grace. May they find their coat. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.